With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Blog Talk Radio. Nice and your ass has been singing this shit for ten minutes, bro. Good lord. Hey, hey, I'm feeling myself. I'm about to get my beard white. Feeling that? Rockin' the league. Get up. I gotta get these words down. <laughs> so I just bust out. Yeah. I know like no. every other line, so it be. It'd be all out of whack. <laughs> yeah, the, the only time I don't like is just how, and I get it, it was the time period. You could get away with corniness where everybody introduces themselves with like a geographical or racist stereotype. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm a mountain man. I'm from VA. Yeah. Like, wait a second, man. There's a, there's a lot of other people. What are you talking about, man? Like, there's a, Hey, like, if it was me, they'd do something. I'm a Louisiana boy, and my name is Joe. I like crawfish, and I like alcohol. Some kind of thing. Like, hey, man, that's hateful. There's a lot of but it's metropolitan dudes from Louisiana. Well, it might be true. It might be true, but that doesn't matter. That's not the point, Mason. <laughs> hey, hey, What's going on, everybody? It's your boy 3K and hateful Mason. Mason hates people from the South and the West. Let's just put it on. Boy, What's up, Doug? I don't know. You know that? St. Louis is kind of like a southern city-ish place. What would be Mason's corny Ramit intro? <laughs> oh, man, there's nothing corny about me. I wouldn't be able to pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mason. I'm not a <laughs> something, something out of your store. Look, look. You they think to, I'm smooth. That's what the pomegranate tea's for. You got to get Russell Wilson on the track. You got to get Russell Wilson I, I got to. I, I got to keep it family, somewhat family. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, uh, nah, it's been a been a long day, man. Early days of work. Got to the office around like seven, which is like an hour earlier than I normally do. Yeah, busy day, busy day, productive. I'm, I'm Russell Wilson. They say I'm a drag. Hey there, brother. Can I borrow your do rag? Ram it. Ram it for <laughs> Russell. <laughs> Hey, Russell Gassier, he doing something right. I need to start rocking do-rag. <laughs> <laughs> but not even rocking do-rag. Like, rocking, like, <laughs> like going to, like, a CBS and be like, hmm, do you have do-rag that I can purchase? <laughs> that do-rag. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a Halloween, like a Halloween-type do-rag. <laughs> I'm going as an urban neophyte for Halloween. You have a do-rag oh. for my costume. 
Dude, have you seen the picture of Russell Wilson with the do rag throwing up West Side? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Only Russell Wilson. <laughs> now, here's the great thing. There's, there were two great quarterback cultural moments that we got this year. Number one was Russell Wilson exposing himself. The other was from the opposite side of the spectrum. This is my, this is my favorite moment of 2017 by far. The greatest moment of 2017 was Jameis Winston exposing his country dumbass for the world for eating, <laughs> trying to eat a W with his hand. And I get it. Most people made fun of him, but I guarantee oh, you I'm not the only person out there who was like, go ahead, eat that duh, Jameis. I bet that duh Man, I delicious. laughed so hard when I saw that. I said, what the hell is he doing? I can't remember. I bet that W been marinating. And all oh, garlic for like a whole day. That W, oh. that W, good. Epic fail, Jamie. <laughs> Epic fail. <laughs> well, I tell you I like what it. didn't fail. <laughs> I tell you what, who didn't fail better yet? Who didn't fail? That's the Rams. Making sure they finally got over the hump. No more seven and they nine ate. bullshit. <laughs> oh man, let's, they ate that W. It's very nice. They did, and they took it from. The Saints, one of the better teams in the league. I personally actually think the Saints are better than the Vikings, so that would be something interesting to touch on a little bit here later on. But, yes, That's what the, they played the, the games for. Are officially, are officially no longer a losing team. Feels kind of weird, right? It does feel weird. It feels Well, here's the thing that feels weird is that they did it in week 12. We still got five weeks to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> five weeks with uh, – a couple of more winning records to uh, face off against. But, you know, in due time, we're going to get to that a little bit more uh, later on in the show. Well, let's start off with that game against the Saints. You know, Rams avoided a losing record, and they did it in sort of kind of a convincing fashion. You know, the they really uh, held Drew Brees out of the end zone up until the last 10 minutes of the game. Uh, or, no, no, last minute and 45, actually, was when Alvin Kamara got in there. Um Reese didn't really do what he answered the fourth quarter with less than 100 yards passing. So that should tell you about what type of day the defense had against the pass. And uh, outside of the Alvin Kamara long run for 74 yards, there wasn't really much going on on the ground. It stood out a lot. There's a hell of a game uh, for the defense. Yeah, hell of a game for the defense, man. Hell of a game from Jared Goff, too. By the way, get at us tonight. If you're listening either at the episode page or uh, through mobile device through your what what other devices are out there? iPads, uh, iPads, laptops, Newt, Noob, whatever that book. <laughs> what's that Barnes and Noble thing? Your Google Glasses. Get at us, man. The phone number tonight's three four seven eight five seven one zero two two. We gonna get through a little bit of the game. We're gonna take some calls. It'll be fun. Um, yeah, it was just golf plus the defense. I thought golf had a great game, especially early on, first half. Uh, defense yeah. dominated. It was one of those performances. It's like you said, it's because it's the New Orleans Saints, the caliber of the opponent that they were facing. It's one of those things where I don't think you can heap enough praise on them collectively. It took a little bit of everybody uh, to get a win like this, especially because they gave up that late touchdown and, you know, with the onside kick, it made it a, a one-possession game that they skirted with yet again, just like they did with uh, the 49ers. But the same thing with the 49ers. This is late-season football, and the Rams got a win. And as much as we can criticize them for kind of withering down the stretch week 11 against the Vikings, look, they held strong, and they got a, a big W at home that uh, puts them in the mix near the top of the NFC playoff picture, which we posted earlier today, and they've earned it. 
you know, the interesting thing about it is the final score made this game look a lot closer than what it actually was. And in yeah, all actuality, true. this game wasn't re- even remotely close. <laughs> it was uh it was it was definitely kind of a runaway. Um and the crazy thing about been. it is a lot of points was left on the field for the Rams. Um yep. with with uh not not finishing some drives, kicking field goals. You know, there was a lot of points left on the field, uh the interception there in the Saints territory. Like, it was definitely an opportunity to even blow this open even more. But overall, I thought it was a good win, uh, taking control of the game from the first drive, first series, uh, opening drive, going down and score, which they've done a lot this year, um, and never relinquishing that that lead. Uh, They just did a really good job of expanding on that. So, overall, I thought it was a really good game, especially considering the opponent, as you said. It's it was a, a very, very, very convincing win, which makes you feel comfortable going into the playoffs. Definitely, does. no doubt. Wire, but, wire to wire against an eight and two team, man. There's, there's no way to, uh, you know, overstate that. That was, uh, it was classy. It was impressive. It definitely was. So since we got we got the ball rolling here, you want to start? Go ahead and bring on some, uh, some callers here. Who we Let's have? See, we here. got we got the first one. Uh, we got a couple lined up, but it's a first come first serve basis tonight, so let's hit it up. Give us a call in three four seven eight five seven one zero two two. Calling us from the four oh six area code. What is the four oh six, Bison? I have no clue. Up. Where are you? That's from? Montana. I know who's <laughs> calling from Montana. It's Dizzle, my Nizzle. What's up, Diz? <laughs> Yo, you better put some respect on the four oh six. Put some respect <laughs> on the four oh six. What's up, man? The, the respect with a K. <laughs> no, the K. Just sat, sat through a wonderful Seattle traffic getting home. Uh, I yeah, apologize. This is the Dizzle. This is Nick N. Martin 55. If you don't follow him on Twitter, change that. Uh, do, are, do you have a Tershaw Times handle, Nick? Yeah, I do. It's Ram Rocker. Ram Rocker. There you go. Wow, N. Martin man. 55 on Twitter. Go ahead. I was just saying, and Martin fifty five, get him on Twitter. What's going on? What do you think of the game, yeah. man? Uh, you know, honestly, I uh, the offense was fantastic for the most part. I think uh, Sean did get super pass happy, which I understand why sure he did. did. I don't know. I don't know if I yeah. agree with it completely. Um, I the way Todd ran yesterday. I I think you can put that game on ice way earlier uh, if you feed him. Um, especially on running back things, we used to, you used to see it with Steven Jackson where he would get in this quote-unquote beast mode where the dude would just yeah. run with just hate and fury. And no matter sure. what was there, he was going to turn it into an extra three, four, five. Against a team like the Saints that can score at will whenever they want, um, you know, as long as we're we're chewing clock, I, I I wish we would have fed the ball to Todd a little bit more, but I'm not going to nitpick at that side of it. Um, two things I would say though yesterday: one, everybody has been hard on Rob Quinn this year. Um, that's, a, that's a that's a that's a big transition running as a as a four three end moving out to outside linebacker. One, because your responsibilities are completely different. You now have outside contain. Rob didn't used to have that. Rob had the freedom to come inside. If you watch him now, he he rushes the outside shoulder every single move, and it's it's partly because he's asked to hold the outside edge. He dipped in twice early against against uh, the Redskins and got popped both times. Um, and now he's start, finally starting to get comfortable with it. 
Um, and you're starting to see him get more pressures. Uh, he, Aaron beat him to the first sack, but Bob would have had two that game. Um, so, one, that's fantastic to see uh, Rob finally fi- finally starting to get it going because if, if he can, that defensive line becomes a way different animal. Two, no, uh, Kayvon Webster, I, 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 everyone's talked about that tackle, but, damn, that tackle was unreal. <laughs> Man, he could have he sat and played catch there, and Mike would have found the end zone. But he ran and tackled through that kid, man. It was it was beautiful. I, it was great to see a defense do what defenses here in Seattle do and attack. So those are my two things. It, it was all right. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, Whatever, it, it's Kayvon, you know. <laughs> but real quick, real quick before we before we uh, get to the next caller here, got a question for you. So yesterday, you know, you mentioned the pass rush. What do you think of the pass rush? Because Joe's been worried about it a lot lately. What do you think of the pass rush real quick? You know, I think that traditionally from, from a 4-3, looking backwards, a pass rush comes – a good pass rush is generated with four. You don't have to blitz out of it. Um, within the 3-4, the way Wade's scheme works is because you bring pressure from everywhere. So if you look at who has sacks now, you've got all four linebackers are getting sacks. You have all three defensive linemen getting sacks. I don't think you're going to have – until we get a guy that's like Von Miller, if that ever happens – you're not going to have someone that has 12, 13, 14 sacks. It's just not going to happen. Um, Aaron will never touch those numbers. If Aaron has eight, that's, a, I think, a massive, massive year for him. Uh, pressures are everything. I think pressures is, is what really everyone needs to look at because we get a shit ton of them. Um, I, I think the, the pressure is there. It's going to come, and it's going to come uh, as we go along in the season. I think you're starting to see that. Um, how – how we didn't get the case more kind of blew my mind, but that's a that's a, a sneaky athletic quarterback. <laughs> unfortunately, I hate to say that, but uh, I think it's coming along. Uh, that that team is still, I think, probably two or three pieces away up on the front, uh, and they might be on the roster right now. I, with Connor being out, it's, we're going to have a really good look to see what Samson is. Um, you know, we were talking me and Rob, uh, who's a Eastern Washington homer. Uh, you know, he was, he was, he was pounding the drum on it a little bit, but Samson was a dart throw. We, that kid wasn't drafted because he was the, he wasn't even the best, best defender in the conference to be quite honest with you, but he was an athletic freak. So I think that there's something there. Um, you know, if he turns into, I think Mule was talking about today, like if it turns into, if he turns into Shane Ray, oh, that's a, that's a pretty damn good, uh, mid round draft pick. So I think they're a few pieces away from being what they need to be up front. Um, but in year one of that transition, it's starting to come along, which uh, I think is really going to help out the back end. It's going to let LaMarcus do what we're starting to see LaMarcus do. That kid, holy cow. You know, I, once we oh, started yeah. losing safeties, once we lose, we lose Rodney and we lose TJ, everyone's like, oh, man, what are we going to do on the backside? Man, we had a hidden gem there uh, in LaMarcus. That's his real home. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Wisdom from the first call. Was, no, I'm not on mute. I was just, hey, I let him go, man. He had to get it off his chest. And now we got respect for the 406 from here on out. I'll never forget. You what a Tonight, tonight, <laughs> so here, so you guys are, at least you know that, that I'm a, a diehard Grizzly fan. Tonight is, I know. might be uh, my, my Sean McVay 2.0 of 2017. We're bringing back the prodigal son, 
Bobby Houck from San Diego State University. We're going to get our, our, our 51-year-old Sean McVay to bring back Grizzlies into relevance and stacking national championships so I can shut Rob up. <laughs> Dream Y'all big. Shoot your shot. <laughs> Dizzle, thanks shut for coming Rob on, man. Up. Love it. Yep. Cheers, boy. Later, bro. And Martin, 55, everybody. That was a good first call. You got to love this. That was. That was. Who we got next? And I do – the one thing, he mentioned the disparity. I mean, we can hit this real quick in between calls was – 43 passes from Jared Goff, just 17 runs for Todd Gurley. He was averaging almost four and a half per run. And really what kind of threw it off was some of those Tavon Austin runs. Tavon Austin ended up with five rushes for just 17 yards. I thought what was strange was the rhythm, especially when you got into the second half and the Rams had a lead, you know, coming out of the half where you're up 17 to 10, you kick that field goal, you're up 20 to 10. It's a two possession game and you're throwing as much as we were. What did you think about that, man? I mean, as far as Tavon Austin goes, Tavon Austin was, with the exception of, like, maybe two or three plays, Tavon Austin was used as uh, someone to steal uh, Gurley, give him a breather. That's what he was used for. That's what those runs were for. Because um, when he comes in the game at tailback, he's not coming in to, you know, pass block. Um, I still would like to see them have him run a route out of the backfield more often when he comes into the game because it's, like, almost – it's almost to the point now that you know that it's a run play when he comes in the game and he lines up at tailback. But um, so th- I would like to see them mix it up a little bit. But that is what he's been doing when he comes into the game. Of, again, with the exception of a few plays where he's uh, where he they they designed specifically for him to get the ball. But in those particular situations, he's not even in the not at the tailback position. So uh, I do understand him having those five carries. It makes it makes sense in that regard. But as far as the uh, just. The 43 pass attempts, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it, which is crazy for me to say. I know because I'm always talking about balance and balance is when they're at their best. But considering the circumstances, you know, you're going against a team that's really weakened in the secondary, missing both corners. It made all the sense in the world. You have to attack a team that's uh, that's that's wounded. You know, like, like they didn't have they didn't mm. have two key positions. You have to attack that. And it paid off in their favor. You know, Jerry Goff went for a 354. Um, I thought he was going to hit 350. I mentioned it in the, uh, my pregame scout report. I was like, you know, this could be a game yeah. where he hits 350. And I was actually, you know, 350, I thought I was being a little light on it. <laughs> you know, I, I thought that he definitely could have hit more than 350 when I actually wrote that. So uh, it, it, you, I think it made sense for them to attack it. It was, it was absolutely the best choice to do. And as you can see, it paid off. So it was the right decision. Okay. Uh, number tonight, call in 347-857-1022. We got our next caller coming from up north on the PCH from 831. Yeah, from the 831 area code. Who's on the line? What's up? Yeah, hi, guys. Wow. This is so awesome what? to have this call. Well, my, name's J- my, my name is Jason. I'm calling from the uh, San Jose, California area right now. What's going on? And, uh, uh, yes. San Jose, yeah. I love iguanas. Like I love that place. Like I can't oh. ever finish anything. Oh, I can't finish God. anything I get from there. But I love oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you didn't know I was hip, did you? <laughs> oh, I'm hip. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know exactly. You're those burritos, man. Oh boy. Man, I, actually, oh, 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 I got to tell you, I got, I got to tell you a story, man. About a month ago, I went in there, and I was. Um, I think that the, the, one of the server, one of the guys taking the order, he was a, a Packer fan, and I and and um, I told him that I don't know if I was I, I don't know if I, I might have to wear my Ram hat. I might forget, but I told him I was a Ram fan, 
And I think this was like right before maybe the season started and, you know, the Rams haven't done anything yet. And this guy felt so bad for me. He gave me a free <laughs> iguana burrito because I'm a diehard Rams fan. I couldn't believe it. Oh, man. <laughs> no more so, free burritos. How much, of that did you, how much of that did you put away? Because I, I, I ended up taking some on the plane back with me. <laughs> <laughs> now, Joe, I put that all Joe, the way you in my stomach. You got to hit up iguanas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's a, oh, that burrito is that's the best right there, right there. But, uh, man, this is, this is so exciting, man. I've been following your blog for uh, – for many years, all through the years, all the down years, and now, oh my gosh, I don't know. Well, we we've been blessed, man. Night two thousand and seventeen is 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 the year. No, I've been I've been a diehard fan since since nineteen eighty two, man. So, so I, you know, I've been through everything. <laughs> Not everything, but I've been yeah. through the ups and downs. But now, yesterday, uh, you know, these guys, they really, you know, the final score wasn't as as close as, as the game was. I mean, the Rams, other than that, obviously that that, that long run. Touchdown run, which, you know, what is the deal with the Rams' run defense? Every game they give up this big, long run, uh, running play on defense, you know, 50, 60, 70 yards, and, and then they just they tighten up. So I, I don't know what is the deal with the beginning of the game, the run defense, but, you know, it just happens, seems to happen every week. But other than that, man, that defense, man, they, 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 I mean, they, shut, they shut the Saints down. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 they made true – they made Drew Brees. I, I, this is the first. They made Drew Brees look small or something. I, I mean, this guy, he he did. You know, they they really that was so impressive. But I tell you what, man, the guy that that I am just so impressed with. This guy just blown you know me away. Everyone, Jared Goff. I mean, who is this guy? This guy, it, this <laughs> guy. I would not trade him for any quarterback in the league. And I'm serious. I wouldn't trade him for. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Ross Beger, Carson Wentz. I mean, this guy when he when, when he back when he takes the the, um, the snaps, and there's nobody in front of him. I expect I expect big plays every 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 time. Man, I, just, I mean, mm. man, it's such a magical season, man. This is like 1999 all over again. It is. It's it, close, it, it really man. Is. I mean, it, you're, it, you're gonna get. Go ahead, Mike. No, 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 no. Go ahead. You got it. I was just going to say the similarities are so obvious. Just because the offense is cranking, it came out of nowhere. You had these big changes, and now you got a QB that's kind of taking the league by storm. It's a, I mean, the narrative is going to write itself, but no doubt what's impressive is that the, the real difference between 99 was that you had a quarterback like Kurt Warner that just came out of nowhere. Jared Goff was a number one overall pick last year that didn't look the part and looked, you know, not capable of executing in the league, was not in sync with the system and the guys around him, and they fixed it in one offseason. I think it's uh, Vinny Bontignori from the Daily News put it out earlier that uh, Les Need, and i got to agree, should be in there for the personnel man of the year in the NFL if for no other yep. reason because he's made it so possible for McVay to run the system for golf and to put the guys around him in place to, you know, get a win like we got yesterday. What were you going to say, Mike? No, that's that's – that's a fair point uh, by Vinny, but no, I was just gonna say absolutely. You, you know, Jason, you hit it right on the head. This uh, this team has kind of come out of nowhere. I think a lot of us uh, expected some type of improvement upon last year. I mean, four and twelve, and looked worse than four and twelve in so many situations. Um, you ca- you kind of look at it, you say they're probably gonna get better. You know, um, but you're not thinking this much better. I don't think anyone thinks that you just turn around like that. 
for it to for it to happen twice to one franchise, you know, where you just go from absolute dead last in so many categories and one of the worst teams that looks like it, you can play on any day, like you're pretty much guaranteeing that, hey, we're going to win that game, basically like the Browns now. To go from that to this twice in the past 20 years, I mean, how many teams have really hit rock bottom and then just hit a switch to next year and just flipped it? It's really impressive, you know. So I think uh, Rams fans should be really excited and feel pretty lucky to have this type of season going. So I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head that it does resemble that 1999 season. Oh, oh yeah, a- absolutely, absolutely, and, and you know, well, one thing I will say, we, I mean, I we have a lot of uh, <laughs> people that that uh, not too many fans, I don't think, uh, of Jeff Fisher. But let me tell you, I'm going to tell, I'm going to talk to you guys about Jeff Fisher. I, you know, you know, before uh, um, uh, Jeff Fisher was our our coach, you know, we were terrible, and he brought us from from uh, I think what what two and fourteen to almost five hundred yeah. that 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 year. And and he had to, for four, you know, when Sam Bradford got hurt in 2013, he got, he had to play with backed up quarterbacks for four years. And and, yeah, and, and you name me, you name me an, another NFL coach that's going to have to, that's going to be a successful coach playing for, um, uh, playing with their backup quarterbacks four years in a row. And, and that is very difficult to do. So, you know, Jeff Fisher, he, he drafted well. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Sam Bradford got hurt and then Nick Foles and all that crap. So, you know, uh, the Rams, the, the defense, you know, has been good for for many years, and we stacked up in the defense. And now we, basically, thank thank goodness, we got it. I I wish it would work out with Jeff, but it didn't. We got a great offensive guy now. That that, and thank God we got Wade Phillips because that was the that was that was the key there. But boy, we we just we have it now. We have the great quarterback, the great the the best running back in the NFL. We got receivers that are getting. Getting open, Robert Woods is the number one receiver. <laughs> I mean, I just it's like a kid in the candy store watching this team. Uh, I, I mean, I'm just getting so excited. But uh, man, uh, this is great, man. This is great. Eight and three, eight and three, first place. And hey, man, this is the next five weeks is going to be something else. I, I hope, and I hope we they flex they flex that Eagle game so we get that Eagles and Rams on Sunday night. That would be that would be something. Well, Jason, I tell you what, the Rams keep you playing like this is a pretty good chance that it's gonna happen. Jason, though, thank you for calling in. Definitely enjoy talking to you. Um, keep listening, man. I love the dedication. Uh, Joe, who oh, we yeah. got uh, next? Who we got next here? Thanks, man. We got Caller from the three hundred one from the heart of the city. Uh, I don't know why we got Caller from the three hundred one. Somebody in my backyard, <laughs> but from the three hundred one, what's going on, you? I'm Tertio Radio. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, man, love you guys' blog. Uh, my name's Leon. I'm from D.C., obviously. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, first of all, um, are we dreaming? Like, is this really happening right now? <laughs> it's really happening. No, it's yeah, real. This is like no, no, it's real. The Rams, it's, it's the Rams really are real. not a losing team as of right now. They're not a this losing is, team. This is really amazing. So uh, I want to touch on three things, and I want to bring them into a question. Actually, so uh, first of all, when everybody was freaking out last week about the Vikings loss, um, <laughs> I was one of the few people who said that this is what we actually needed to be the uh, the wake-up call for the second half of the season because we had gotten into this rhythm where we were beating people by 30 and 40 points, and, you know, we really didn't have that challenge. So, you know, we went in there, you know, lacked the days of cold, got hit in the mouth, and now it looks like we're back on track. So, you know, it looks like we have a complete team. Um, NFL Network just reported that we're the only team in the league to have a top ten uh, in all three phases: offense, defense, and special teams. So that's pretty good. Top three. But, top three. 
Yeah, yeah, so all three phases. So special teams, defense, offense, we're top ten in all of those categories. So looking ahead at the uh, the schedule, um, beyond Seattle being the must win, um, I wanna I wanna kind of see where we at. You know, we I'm sure we can beat Tennessee. I know we'll beat. Uh, you know, the Niners in the last game and uh, the Cardinals, I mean, they're, they're looking decently sharp after uh, this last week's win. Question, um, if you remember, you know, maybe it was like 10 years ago now when the Patriots played New York uh, in that undefeated season, that second-to-last game um, of the regular season, and New York came pretty close to beating the Pats, but they did not, and they went on to beat them in the Super Bowl. Do you think that if we play a competitive Philly game uh, in that, you know, two weeks from now, you know, come up a little bit short, do you think that we can catch them by surprise uh, in the playoffs? If we are clear, oh, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say catch anybody's by surprise, man. I mean, it, yeah. it, 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 is, is it possible to catch anybody by surprise in the playoffs? I mean, once you get to the playoffs, you only get six teams there. And with two play, you know, teams in the bye, you only got four teams in action. You know what I'm saying? This is, there are no trap games in the playoffs. I, I get what you're getting at. I don't, I don't know that that it's possible to surprise them. I guess what, what really I like about the way you framed your question, and I remember that game very well. It was uh, in the middle of nowhere, Germany, watching that thanks to the Army in the middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning. I fell asleep during the second quarter so I could be awake for the fourth, and I'm damn glad I did. Um, the the thing I would say is not necessarily can you surprise the team, but can you maybe learn something about how to attack that team that you can use later on in the year? I think that was the big story about that 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 back and forth in 2007 between the Giants and the Patriots was that in the last game, Patriots scored I think 38 points, uh, and mm-hmm. it was one of those games where New York and Steve Spagnuolo, who's the defensive coordinator, couldn't figure out how mm-hmm. to get to him. And he devised exactly. that game plan by the time they got to the Super Bowl to overlay, overload Michael Strahan, and it worked. They kept, you know, they kept them the mm-hmm. 14 points. I, I do wonder if what we're going to see, and obviously against Minnesota, we had them at seven points through three quarters. This last weekend we had a great defensive performance. Maybe it's going to be something that we learn from these games, whether it's Minnesota, Philadelphia, uh, you know, Seattle, Tennessee, uh, which would be a mm-hmm. phenomenal narrative if we face them later on in the postseason, the only postseason game we could face them, if we learn something from them, not necessarily mm-hmm. to maybe take them by surprise, but to learn a lesson from that matchup that maybe would apply later on. What do you think about that, Mice, and the idea of a, a play, we're not going to lose to them twice, as a lot of the Rams were saying coming out of that Minnesota game? You know, the interesting thing about it, it's, it's hard to sneak up on a team when you're playing well. Um, you, you know, you can surprise some teams. For example, you can say we surprised the Cowboys because it's still early enough in the season that you're still trying to fill teams out, and, you know, all you have to go on is what they've done in previous years. You know, so it's early enough in the season where you can say, okay, you, you surprised them. But at this point, you know, um, you see the way that they've played some of these te- some of these teams and some of the, way they, the ways they've won these games. The Rams have won in every way that you can win now. You know, they've won from that last second play. They've won from – uh, defense. They won from special teams. They won from offense. They won from a blowout. You know, they barely squeaked one out. You know, they've done it. They've done it in every way that you can. All, all in uh, eleven games. Uh, so it's hard to uh, sneak up on someone when you're making so much noise and doing it in such a variety of ways. Uh, however, it is also hard to beat a team twice. <laughs> uh, when you play a team once, um, you 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 really get a good feel for them. You have to think about it. Uh, if you're on 
uh, your own defense, for example, if you let's just say that you're uh, Cameron Jordan with the Saints, you just went against this offense. And Jerry Goff threw the ball 43 times. He also ran it another five times or something like that. You know, so over and overall, you're talking about about 73 plays was ran, and uh, he's he's on the field for almost all of them. At some point, you start to get a feel for that guy across from you. You know, so if you play them again, you're already ahead of the curve. You know, after 73 plays of playing against someone, you start to get a feel for certain things they like to do, things like that. That's what makes it so hard to beat a team twice. That's why it's so interesting to watch divisional games because no matter how bad one team is and no matter how good the other team is, it's always going to be harder to win those games because you know each other so well. So if you play the Eagles now and, you know, whoever wins, and you play again in the, the playoffs – you have to expect that it's not going to be an easy game and there's no way that it's going to sneak up on you because of the fact that you are playing someone that you've gotten familiar with from this season where the personnel is the same, the play calling is the same, you know, the the, the, the way that they approach certain downs and uh, distances is the same. You know, so it's not a case where you sneak up on someone, but it's a case of how well did you learn from the first game to beat them this time or to win again or to win by more. You know, that's what you're looking for when you play a team more than once. That makes sense. That makes sense. And then my last question is, pound for pound, when it all comes down to it, is the Seattle game in two weeks the most meaningful game of the season to us? Uh, I would say I would say no. <laughs> mm. I'd say no to that. Um, for multiple that? reasons. Why not? Um, the first one being the Seattle game is always a good one. You know, no matter what, it doesn't matter who's hot and who's not. That's always a good, good game. Um, I think a prime example of one of the best games that you you've seen with the Rams in Seattle. And for some reason, they always play in the last two or three two or three weeks. Sometimes the last game exactly, uh, but they're always playing. That game is always right there in that last one, two or three games. Uh, but one of the more interesting games was the uh, 2010 when Sam Bradford was a rookie and had to win to go to the playoffs and, you know, was Week really a good game, game, really a close game, very, very close game, yeah. but then just barely missed it. You know, that's that's what I think you look at and you say, okay, that's the important game. But I don't think it's going to be that magnitude, you know. Uh, I think the Seahawks are going to be fighting for a playoff spot there um, in a crowded uh, wild card spot where you have the Falcons and the Panthers. You know, you could very well have three teams from the NFC South make the playoffs this year, which wouldn't be the first time nor the last, but uh, they're going to be fighting for one of those wild card spots. However, I think they're going to be fighting for it with about nine wins. Um, the the Seahawks are just really beaten up right now. Uh, I would say the game that's probably going to be the most important, or not the most important, but the biggest, you know, the most impactful will be the the, the uh, 49ers uh, for the very reasons that I just laid out a moment ago with the familiarity and then you have that uh, competitive nature no matter what the teams are doing. When they play each other, it's always a good game. It's close. It has you on the edge of your seat. That's going to be a physical game. And if the Rams don't have that first-round bye, to have a game that physical and let's say the 49ers beat them, you're talking about having to bounce back from just hell. <laughs> you know, having to bounce back from hell, not for a regular season game, but to get your mind ready. This is a young team now. If this was a vet team, it probably wouldn't be as big, but a young team that's never done it, a young coach that's never done it, if the Rams lose that game and it's a physical, hard-fought game like most of the games with 49ers are, 
and they lose that game, it's going to make that first playoff game very, very tough. Um, so hmm. it, I think that I think that game is probably the game that I'm looking at. Said this is a very important game to really go in there and handle business and get get the hell out. The only reason why I might point to the Seahawks as being such it is not just a monumentous game or a uh, significant or even symbolic game. It's just that it's got we've got two more weeks in front of us, right? And so the Rams are sitting at eight wins. If we can beat the Cardinals, that's at least nine. Let's. Let's just skip the Eagles game. I'm not even going to guess that one one way or the other. Regardless of what happens in the Eagles, if we beat the Cardinals this weekend, a win against the Seahawks in Seattle would be a win for at least 10 games. And it would be hard to think that after two weeks, based on how the playoff picture looks right now, that beating the Seahawks to get to at least 10 games wouldn't be enough to at least clinch a berth in the playoffs. And I think just symbolically, you know, in terms of the idea that this is a new Rams team, it's a second year in L.A. to go to Seattle and win in Seattle and potentially clinch a berth, not necessarily a first-round bye or anything like that. You know, you get to, when you get to those letters at the, in the standings and you get a little X or a Y or a Z and you got to look at the bottom and say, okay, what the hell is that? I don't know which letter that meet, that corresponds to. We could have a letter next to the Rams in the standings based on a win in Seattle. And that's one of those things that might just feel like, you know, a changing of the guard in the NFC West, where for years it's been Seattle and Arizona at the top, that to do that in Seattle would be a fitting way to close that out, man. I got a question. Hold on, I got a question for you, though. As a fellow DM, DMV resident, are you from the D.C. area? Yes. yes. How does this happen? How, how did D.C. area fans become Rams fans? Because I can't find many. <laughs> well, I mean, for me personally, um, you know, I'm I'm only 26 years old, but when I was coming up, you know, they were the greatest show on turf. So, you know, Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce, Isaac mm-hmm. Hakeem, like people don't even re- remember them. So I would, you know, just see, you know, all these touchdowns being thrown. I was like, oh, man, that's a really cool jersey. I want to be a Rams fan. And then, you know, two years later, Marshall <laughs> Falk's on the Madden cover, so I'm like, oh, man, it's meant to be. So I just stuck with them through all the one, two, three, one seasons. Everybody said I was crazy, and look at us now. <laughs> Good for you. Stay off the green line, man. I can dig it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you guys All so right. much. Love you guys' show, and keep it up. Hey, man. Thanks for coming, bro. Yo. From the DMV, that's scary. Knowing that I know, guys... right? I, I like his reason. The, well, like the I love the I know, and he knows from it. the 99 season. <laughs> You can't not love him. I broke out the Jerome Bettis. I didn't put it on. I'm still waiting because I know there's vibes in that jersey that I don't want to release yet. It's like, um, you remember like when they opened the Ark and Raiders of the Lost Ark or like, uh, what's another version of that? When they opened the thing in the movies and the little like wispy ghosts come out. When I opened, I, had, I went to storage this weekend to get all my stuff for Christmas. And I, I saw my old jersey tub and I was like, oh, let me look at my jerseys. And when I opened it, you could almost hear I almost heard Jerome Bettis' voice. Hey, man, it's the bus. Ooh, like, escape, escape when I lifted <laughs> off the lid. I was like, oh, when, I got to get this and bring it home. When did Jerome Bettis get so much bass? <laughs> <laughs> it's the bus, Jerome man. Bettis, Jerome Bettis suddenly sounded like uh, Barry White. <laughs> don't, hey, don't mock my Jerome Bettis impression. Damn <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's your go-to Rams impression, Myson? I'm interested to hear this one. My go-to Rams impression, oh, damn, put me on the spot. Um, I would have to say it is Isaac Bruce. Isaac Bruce, if you've ever <laughs> yeah, had a just conversation stay, just with stay Isaac silent? Bruce. <laughs> no, Isaac Bruce, if, you, if you've ever had a conversation with Isaac Bruce, you like, damn, uh-huh. why are your voice so deep? And why are you so serious? <laughs> like, 
He's a he's a very, he's a very serious person when he talks to when he talks to you. He is a very but focused very, individual. Yes, very much so. He's like, yeah. So I just I told this joke and I was like, ha 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 ha, and everyone left. <laughs> <laughs> and then I laughed because that is an emotion that many people have. Voice is way <laughs> deeper than you expect when he starts speaking, but then he's also like super big on that. respect, so he like stares you straight in the eye like that. Green glare, like it's it's freaky, but coolest one of the coolest dudes you ever meet. But, but uh, anyway, so who we got next on the line here? It might be the Rev. Let's see, out of three five two, the three five two would be Gainesville, Florida. I think it's Dan Mullen, new coach of the Florida Gators. What's up out of Gainesville, Florida? What's going on, y'all? Touch already. Hey, how's it going? Uh, my name is. What's going on, Scott? What's oh, up, what's up, Scott? Scott? <laughs> hey, hey, how's it going? Uh, actually, I live in uh, Spring Hill, Florida. It's about an hour north of Tampa. Okay, Good for you. Okay. I'm familiar with Tampa as well. Clearwater used to be my hangout. You are. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, be yeah. careful. Be careful. Uh, be careful. You might, just like I was talking about opening the lid off Jerome Bettis, you might open the lid off mice and just, <laughs> man, you don't know the things I've done in Clearwater. I Bruce would be right disgusted by my story. <laughs> For a whole other show but, there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I'm 29, and I've been a Rams fan since – I would say 1997, and okay. I'll tell you what, uh, you know, like the guy before, you know, I fell in love with uh, the uniforms, and, you know, this is the OG day. I mean, they used to have ESPN Classic on the TV, and, you know, I would watch yeah. about the, the Fearsome Foursome, Jack Youngblood, Jackie Slater, and I was like, hell yeah, those guys are, you know, crazy dudes, and, you know, ever since, you know, I'm like, uh, I'm one of those guys where once I follow a team, that's it, I'm no bandwagoner, and I've been through the 7-9 bullshit, and the one-win, two-win years, uh, thank God we are at least, (laughs) at least eight wins, but I can see us winning about 12, 13. It, it's definitely, it's legitimately a possibility. But let me ask you this question yeah. real quick. So, mm-hmm. uh, Scott, growing up, you know, yeah. living in Tampa, uh, what was it like in 1999, the NFC Championship game, the Rams facing the Tampa Bay Bucks? What did, was it like going to school? You're 29, so what, you were in the sixth grade. What was it like going to school the next day? And I know, like, all of your classes, Warren Sapp fans and everything, and you go there, and that's the day after the Rams just beat them. How much trash talk did you oh, do? Did you get in any fights? What happened oh, there? Oh, 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 well, one, I went to a private school, so none of that was going on. But, you know, the whole week leading up to that, everyone knew I was, like, the only Rams fan. And, you know, of course, you know, I'm, I'm spitting a little game. I'm talking a little shit. And, uh, you know, the day after, I mean, it was like opening up presents on Christmas morning. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, it it was just, I mean, just, you know, pulling open that freezer and taking that top of the ice cream. I mean, it was delicious. So, anyways, I I want to make a few comments about uh, first my impressions of Jared Goff. 
oh my God. I mean, you know, I don't even consider him a second-year starter. I think this is re- – I mean, with how much damage and just how Jeff Fisher and the whole coaching staff last year did him wrong, it's, it's not even like he was playing. You know what I mean? And I think we just need to grade him how he's done this year. But I'm seeing, like, Peyton Manning-esque in him. I mean, look what he's doing. I mean, you're you're seeing guys in the league, you know, five years now, not even going up to the line, you know, checking their progressions, reading the defenses, you know, calling audibles, and then just, you know, he's playing miraculously. I mean, all game you're seeing him audible at the line. I mean, and this is only the first year with McVay. I mean, th- people have to remember these quarterbacks that have a tendency to really flourish and succeed in the NFL, they're not just, you know, one or two years under a coordinator. They're four, five, six. I mean, look how long Tom Brady, Bill Belichick have been together. Yeah. I mean, look at Peyton Manning when he was with Indianapolis. They ran the same offensive scheme for his entire career. No, that that is what makes for a successful franchise. When you have some consistency and that continuity continuity is built, then you usually set yourself for yourself up for some uh, good success. So that's a great point that you. Uh, bring, I got a question for y'all, man. And, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a great question. Now, let me let me ask it to y'all like this: We got Wade Phillips, we got Sean McVay, we got Jared Goff. What is going to break up that triumvirate? What will break it up first? Do you think it will be uh, just age for Wade Phillips, or do you think he's going to be in it for the long haul? Do you think it's going to be success? Maybe it's, you know, they get a good run and they say, look, you know, we've had a good run and it's time to face a new challenge, kind of like what Wade just did with the Broncos. Do you think, I don't, I don't know, it's one of those things where it seems like because I, he's so young, Sean McVay is so young, and Wade's in such a great position, what's, go, what's going to stop this? What, where does the window close for us, man? I think really um, – it's Wade's age. I think we can – I think what he's probably doing is probably teaching some of his assistants below him pretty much everything he knows. Maybe they can take over, sort of like um, how the New England Patriots do, you know, next man up, and how Seattle has done it. You know, how many head coaches have come out of Seattle and their defense <clears throat> no let off. And I think McVeigh and uh, Jared Goff are going to be pretty much tied at the hip like Drew Brees, Sean Payton, Payton, uh, Payton Manning, and uh, you know, Tony Dungy for that time. And then also, uh, you know, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. I think, I mean, honestly, the both of them are so young and <clears throat> I think Jared Goff is also the kind of guy that he's going to be a hometown discount sort of player where he's all about the team and not me. And that's the attitude that McVay has actually installed into the locker room. I think this is a 15-year kind of run for McVay and for uh, Jared Goff. It's just a matter of when is Wade going to retire from football. Uh, 
you know, also just uh, surrounding the right pieces. You know, I'm a, I'm a big defensive, you know, minded, oriented kind of guy. And I'm just looking at some of our holes and I'm like, okay, off season, what are we going to, what are we going to attack? You know? Yeah, I, I definitely think that uh, it's Wade's age. I personally, I think Wade probably has like uh, three, no more than four, but three is probably uh, a decent number to expect. About three or four years left before he's about ready to, to hang it up. You know, um, he still has a lot of fun, but age is definitely um, age is definitely going to kick in at some point. But when you look at golf and McVay, they, they, this guy's the limit for those two. You know, they're such a good matchup. You know, so I, I definitely think it'd be mm-hmm. interesting to watch, uh, see how it unfolds over the next years. Definitely been good so far through the first uh, eleven games of their uh, time together. It's been amazing. You've seen so much growth from both sides of them, from McVay, from golf. Uh, it's definitely going to be good to see how it continues to go. As far as improving on the uh, improving on the defensive side, I think that. Wade's going to continue to build that front because he loves to get after the quarterback. He's going to continue to build that front. He's going to find the right defensive linemen, the right backers. You know, that's all going to get built up uh, probably before corner will. So it's going to be an interesting way to see how it shakes out. But, uh, Joe, you got anything before we get to the next call? Nah, man, I'm just just glad we got a call from Florida. What's it like in Gainesville these days with the the news of what's going on? Would you say that – Everybody is what's the right word? How would you define it? What's the te- what's the tenor down there of uh, Gainesville, Florida, well, and Spring Hill these days? Well, Gainesville, I mean, that's like the place to go to party. I know, but uh, <laughs> but I'm actually not a Gators fan. Uh, you know, I'm not a Florida State fan. Uh, I'm a University of Michigan fan. Uh, all my family's from Michigan, so. You know, I was screaming at the TV this weekend when I saw pretty much the worst example of quarterback play this weekend from the, uh, you know, I don't even know you call him, John O'Corn. I mean, he's like a walk-on scrub. <laughs> yeah, yeah but you have our sympathies, uh, John Harbaugh man. hasn't you have I mean, well, see, the, those guys were all those guys were all transfers, uh, and, you know. The their their uh, first two recruiting classes, one's a red shirt freshman, one's a true freshman, so they haven't even played. So you know, uh, they got uh, what is his name? Uh, they got Dylan McCaffrey, who's Christian McCaffrey's brother, who is one of the right. top prospects coming out. So you know that's looking up. But as you were talking about Wade Phillips about the defense, we have to remember one thing: in the uh, we lost Dominique Easley in the beginning of the year. So we could yep. probably get him back. And, you know, I'm looking at us stopping the run, and one of the major deficiencies in our team has been our linebacker play. Granted, Ogletree and Barron, you know, one's a pass specialist and one's a run stuffer. Uh, you know, I'm just looking at the overall play, The expe- you know, who do you think we're going to keep. I mean, I think Connor Barwin, I don't, I don't think he's going to be back next year, especially, you know, the – you know, we signed him for what three and a half million or whatever. I see us going after someone, you know, in the draft. I mean, I'm on the boards and I'm uh, I'm raving about Rashawn Evans from Alabama. I mean, the guy just flies off the ball. I mean, you see him, 
I mean, he's a fast linebacker. He's always getting behind the line and tackling and wrapping up. Uh, and it's looking like he might slip to the third round. And I also like Samson Ikebon to step in the place. So, you know, you know the possibilities there. Uh, I just I don't know about Robert Quinn. Uh, you know, long term. You know, that's, no love that's, for Mike McCray. No love for Mike McCray. Come on, man. Well, I do like Ann Mike, Mike McCray. <laughs> but but but, and then I'm also looking. Uh, you know. If we get a better inside line, if they don't, because I see Rashawn Evans as an outside more than an inside, because you could just tee him off. But if we get uh, a better inside linebacker, maybe free agency, but I doubt that we're going to, you know, get someone like Zach Brown from Washington, which I would love. So then we could actually put Ogletree on the outside and then put Brown in the middle. You know, I, I, I don't think they're going to do anything ahead. with the inside backers, but it'll be interesting to see how this offseason uh, shakes out for sure. It's definitely something to look forward to. Scott, we want to thank you for calling in. We got another thank caller you. here. Oh, no problem. Thanks, man. We got, a, we got another caller here. Who we got? Oh, we have a call. Where you're from. Oh, we have a call, my friend. We have, <laughs> we have a call to end them all. We have a, we have a, a, a hooper yeah. who's in love with Cooper. We have we have a man who can battle from up in Seattle. I'm done. I'm getting corny. I'm getting rammed. It's Big Rob. What's up, man? What up, gentlemen? It is Rob the man. I don't mind that Bobby Seattle be calling tonight because uh, you know I he he thought I was joking, but I I came through my promise. I'd come on the show and, and I would spread. I'd spread the cup. I would I would give the cup love. Spread the because, cup. Uh, <laughs> oh, you got a coin there. <laughs> I, I will spread the cup. There will be a there'll be a t shirt on TFT in about two weeks. Yeah, people can buy one. Uh, ten ninety nine for shipping. Don't worry. We'll get you. We got you. We got the bay shirts, we got the girl power shirt, we got the cup shirt going. Uh it's gonna be it's gonna be love at like nineteen seventies all over again because that's my professor and I that's our wheelhouse because we're old. <laughs> It's a summer of love. <laughs> you know how it is. Uh, you know, after that game yesterday, I started thinking, if we win next week, this would be the first Rams winning season since I went bald. I had hair the last time these guys won. <laughs> I mean, Maybe the reason you went about... bald is because they started losing so much. You no, 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 the reason I went bald is because I had – I had two teenage daughters, but that's a different story. <laughs> uh, Joe's going to learn that lesson here in about 10 years. But yeah, I had hair the last time these guys won, did anything. Won the NFC West in 2003. Since then, 8-8 eight eight been it, which is where we're at right now, right? If they went on a five-game slide, we, we would be 8-8. Eight eight. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, this is, this is new territory for all of us. TST has never covered, as Joe would say, we've never covered a winning team. The only SB, no. the Browns, the Browns have covered a winning team. <laughs> We have. So this is new territory for all of us, right? It's, uh, you know, sip on that, sip on Pappy's special syrup and enjoy this right now because uh, we we know how the dark times are. So you got to, you know what, no matter what happens, if they don't win the Super Bowl, that's cool. I mean, we want it to happen, but it's it's, a, it's something that's starting year, year one, almost a year or two earlier than anyone would have thought. So enjoy yeah. it while you can. Let's go get this thing, but you got to enjoy the ride. 
you got to enjoy the ride. And so I got a question for you, man. I know you're I know you're enjoying this ride, especially a game after Cooper Cup had eight receptions, 116 yards. Is there somebody Ooh, that's in your doghouse? The way that you know, like Mison has Kayvon Webster in his doghouse. I have who do I have in my? I don't know if I got <laughs> no, anybody no, in my no, doghouse. no. Wait, let me stop you oh, right there. Yeah. Pause. Hold up. He's not in my doghouse. He doesn't deserve a roof over his head. Man. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> he just changed to the porch. <laughs> the doghouse is too. You're horrible. Like uh, mistreatment of your quarterbacks. <laughs> Come on, my, what about the what about the form tackle you had to save four points this week? You got to give him a little. Credit. It was I mean, I understand. Hey, he's not he's not what you want out there, but he's what you got. The arm tackle keeps him around. I, I, I'm willing to feed him rather than let him walk <laughs> like a tree. Given, given, <laughs> given the options, would you rather see Hatfield or Troy Hill? I mean. First off, Troy Hill is like his illegitimate son. He's so bad. This <laughs> <laughs> keeps getting worse. This <laughs> Troy, Troy Hill gets fly oh, getting off the bus. He's he like getting off the bus. <laughs> Troy Hill is uh let's just stick to being gunner. Let's put it that way. <laughs> we gotta we gotta change just... the entire format of Turf Show Radio to just a <laughs> podcast where Myson insults cornerbacks on the Rams that Kevin Peterson is hardly a human being. He is not deserving of human rights. Hey, all all there, I'm there saying is, I, I would wish, be okay there are times when I we... wish... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, there are times I wish the general public could get a peek into TST slack. Not often. Oh, man. But there are oh, times when, when if we just put those snippets out there, it would blow some minds because uh, when yes. you get – you know, Myson pops on him. He's like Eli. Uh, he pops in. He drops a couple bombs. He sticks around for for a few retorts, and he's he, he's back out. Eli kind of just drive by, snipes you, and drops something. And then three hours later, he he brings it back up. But Myson comes in. He'll drop something, and all of a sudden, everyone's up in arms and going out a little bit. And then he just sneaks back out. We're all we're still we're all talking about Kayvon three hours later, and you know he's off he's off doing his thing. I, so, I want to uh, get yeah, back to the next day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the question was, is there anyone in my doghouse on the Rams? Uh, you know, everyone's favorite Whippin' boy, Tavon, you know, one reception for negative three yards and three yeah. carries for negative three. That's, that's a special stat line right there. Uh, and I know I know we were talking about that in Slack yesterday. Joe was mentioning, you know, I don't need to see that. I don't need to see the Jets lose anymore. Just give me some give me some straight up, let's just go. Uh and I was my son and I were on the same page again in the Minnesota game when when there was no Tavon out there. I don't necessarily want to see him get the ball six times, but I want to see him out there with just a little bit of threat. Just a little bit. Yeah. A couple yeah. jet sweeps and just to keep him honest because look, that Minnesota look. game, those Kendricks did not move until the ball was no. passed. You didn't force him. You did not and he's not even great in coverage. You didn't I mean Gurley didn't press yeah. him. They went away from what they were successful at all year long. Which was kind of baffling to me, but you know what? It was a seven nothing, what seven seven game in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, a couple cornerbacks. You're, you're playing cornerbacks three, four, and five out there, rather than one, two, three. Uh, you know, tip your hat. They got us. I think we are all Case Keenum fans the next two weeks, though, gentlemen, because the Vikings yeah. play Atlanta this week, and they play who? Uh, Charlotte next week. And you also got yeah. Charlotte. You got you got the Panthers and Saints playing each other this week, and then. That's an incestuous thing, and I don't know that there's three teams. I heard you talking earlier to one of the callers about uh, we might get three teams out of the NFC South. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure that's going to get it done because they're going to they're going to snipe each other off. There's some conference losses yeah. to be had to make up some ground for the Rams. So keep taking care of business, but those teams are going to start knocking each other off. So as long as Minnesota, who's already going to have you know the one or two seed unless something unless they fall on their face, right? Let them do their thing and take care of some business for us. Let Case be a fan of Case this week, people. This week and next week, we need Case to, to do some work. Yeah, you the problem with the Vikings is that we got to win two games to their one because we, you know they're already at at nine and two a game in front of us and they got the game in hand because of the head to head. What were you gonna say, Mike? Yeah, you mentioned Tavon Austin, and uh, one reason why I was so adamant about Tavon needs to be in the game. Like I was very specific on how I was phrasing it. I wasn't saying Tavon needs to get the ball, give him the ball. I was saying Tavon needs to be in the game, and it's because of the attention that he grabs. You know. As Rams fans, you know, I think the the expectation has, for him has been set so high, so large because of draft status, but then also because I think people looked at the speed and explosiveness, just, they set these high expectations, you know, that I think that it goes underappreciated. Now, he is paid a lot <laughs> and is an expensive decoy, but it goes underappreciated what he does to a defense when he's on the field because they respect his playmaking ability. Uh, like him or not, Tavon Austin hasn't necessarily been a bust because of his production hasn't been bad enough to be labeled a bust, but he's not top eight worthy, if that makes sense. Um, and because of that, because of that, he still forces defenses to respect him. So when he's on the field, he's going to draw that attention. If you look at the 38-yard completion to uh, Tyler Higby yesterday, that play doesn't happen if Tavon is on the field. It's the exact same play they ran against Dallas where they threw the ball to Todd Gurley. He hit the, he caught it on the team. He right. didn't win. They covered Todd Gurley this time, but the reason it worked is because the back, the outside backer went flying to cover Tavon Austin out in the flat. And because he went flying to cover Tavon Austin, the corner jumped inside to take Todd when Todd hit the scene, which left Tyler Higby wide open. And it, that play just doesn't, plays like that don't work. Even though Jared Goff isn't even really looking at uh, Tavon Austin, they don't work unless Tavon Austin is on the field because he demands that type of attention where your eye, where he goes, your eyes go. Because you know if you, if you do leave him open and Jared Goff decides to run through his progressions and drop it off to him, you're in trouble. And that's why I think that you have to have him on the field. I, I can't argue with that. Uh, are you telling me that Cooper Cup doesn't draw the same attention when he goes in motion? Tell him, Rob. not drawing that kind of attention when, when Thailand goes in motion? They're, they're thinking like, okay, we can let him be out there by himself. Leah, he'll catch right. it. He'll get 18 yards. But we're going to no, catch yeah, him. Yeah, we're going to catch seven yards out. You can take it. You, 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 they're going to catch him. You let Tavon get uh Get 18 yards of space. He he go. <laughs> how about, you, you how about saw, everyone's favorite you, play? The the Cooper Cup screen uh, flea flick on the table on that hasn't worked out. The thing is, yeah. if you, I don't know if you saw that play back. I watched it. Uh, I broke it down a little bit last night when I was checking things out. If Ryan yeah. Saffold is about two feet further out in front where he was, that play is going to the house. Everyone watched that. Higby was downfield. Uh, Sammy Watkins was downfield. The guy who made the play, Roger couldn't get there, and you know you got to tip your hands the backer for making the play and reading it. But if, if Roger's out there, that's that's a big game, and that's uh, think, it's kind of it's it's stupid because that play is dumb. I think, and I think they're going to run it again. I think they're going to run it again because the first time they ran it, Tavon should have scored, but he tried to cut it inside. When if he just keeps running to the pylon, he scores. This time, I saw the exact same thing you saw 
Roger Saffold was just a hair too late getting off of his block. Like, he stood there waiting to go upfield a little too long, and in doing so, the defender was able to get past him. But the first time they ran it, everybody timed it was perfect. Tavon just tried to cut it inside. He didn't need to. This time, Roger Saffold, and again, this is a major timing play. You know, um, Roger Saffold was just a hair too late, like a millisecond too late, and the guy was able to get past him. But and because there's both times has been so close, I truly think that uh, they're going to run it again. They're probably going to pop one. Um, but that play that we're mentioning, some of those trick plays, and Cooper Cup's involved in this one, that play where uh, I said I would like to see that again in the chat, and Joe's like, I'm okay with never seeing it again. <laughs> you know, yeah, I know the play you're talking run, about. We run a hook and lateral pass, or uh, you <laughs> yep. know, they, throw, they throw it, then they pitch it back to uh, Cup, and it was set up perfectly. Cup just threw it into the dirt. I'm interested in seeing him try that play again. I think that was a that play design was genius. Like <laughs> that was a really, you know really well thought out there's, play. <laughs> there's one thing they could do to 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 improve upon that success of that play happening. Not let you substitute you <laughs> substitute Johnny Hecker for Cooper Cup. You put yeah, Hecker out. Don't let Cup throw it. Don't let Cup throw the ball. Yeah, don't let. That was a terrible throw. <laughs> The announcer's like, oh, that was smart of him to throw it in the dirt. No, it wasn't. He didn't do that on purpose. (laughs) It was a terrible throw. Here, here, I had two thoughts when we saw that play. Number one, like you mentioned, I'm good. As much as I love the entertainment factor, that that oh, shit moment, when you see the pass, it's like, oh, nice, great. Oh, wait a second. He's turning backwards. What's going on? As fun as that is, I'm from Texas, man. I, I still feel a little bit, a little bit uncomfortable at the forward pass. Like, do we really need to? Do we really need to pass the ball? I don't know. That seems a bit uh, greedy. We could just, we could know. just go ahead and you know, maybe, maybe a nice, ask, comfortable ask handoff. Muhammad knew that question. Ask Muhammad. Yeah, that question. Muhammad, do you need to throw that Muhammad. Ball? I don't know. Can you trust passing the ball to a guy named Muhammad? That seems like you're reaching. It seems like you're biting off more than you can chew. You gotta remember, man. I'm from I'm from old school Texas football. Here's the second. What I did like about it is that McVeigh keeps adding layers, right? And 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 immediately the, I got it sprang to mind 2021, the Los Angeles Rams playing against the Mexico City Bad Hombres in the wild card round. Not the not the wild card round that we have now. The wild card expanded round when we expand the playoffs to ten teams, right? And in the first right. round, you're gonna get a play where Jared Goff throws it to Cooper Cup, he laterals it to Brian Quick Jr., who comes around the side, hands off to Gerald Everett. He laterals it back to Tyler Higby, who throws it downfield to uh, Sean McVay Jr. <laughs> and every like at some Sean point, there's just going to be so many wrinkles. There's, there's not even going to be a play left. It's just going to be all wrinkles. It'll be all designed. It'll be like the band is on the field, but it'll ball, it'll all be by design. McVeigh will have designed the entire play. All right, let's go run fourteen laterals, thirty-three fire. Let's go. And like every single lateral will be planned out the whole play. These impersonations you know, you know are killing that, me. <laughs> you know what that what that play does, and as as trash as it was in Cooper Cup, we all agree should probably never throw another Annabelle pass. Uh, it makes. Other teams have to prepare for the ridiculous play. You spend yeah. time working on two or three gadget plays that probably aren't going to work, and you're not working on the bread and butter. You're not you're not working on on stuff you should be. You're not working on Todd Gurley. How many how many ways will you use Gurley in a screen pass? How many how's their screen going to work? You know, uh, 
You're not. You're, you're wasting time on ridiculous stuff you might see and you might not see, but you're not. And for good reason. Stuff you know you're going to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and for it's, good reason because it's it. going to get so ridiculous. They have a bad turnover doing it. I don't mind a couple yard loss on that, whatever. But yeah. as long as they don't turn the ball over, it, throw a couple of those out there. If you hit it, it's great. If you don't, your opponents down the road have to prepare for it, and that's. Uh, and this is an this advantage. is year one, man. This is year one right. where we've already got we've already had the video with Jared Goff with all those weird audible calls. We had the piece this week where we taught where we learned about how McVeigh is forcing the guys to the line early so that he can force some audible calls to Jared Goff. Like there's just no way that by 2020 he's literally talking alien language. All right, hook and ladder, empty bladder. Just like the stuff that's going to be, I mean, I get it. It's going to be great for the internet, but it's just going to be so nonsense. Adiosaur, Adiosaur, Seattle Rams. Like they're going to name it after Twitter accounts. You know, it's going to, you know, it's going to happen just to get people confused. (laughs) Whatever that play is, is a touchdown. I can tell you that now. So I'm already so I'm already uncomfortable quick. at it. I'm all, I'm already <laughs> preemptively against it, and we haven't even gotten to that point. So Rob, real quick, we're coming up towards the end here. We still need to look ahead to the cards. So help us out here. You know, can the Rams shut down AP again? That's that's question number one. Can they can they do it? Can they? Sure they can. Yeah. You know. Will they? Uh, will they? Huh. That's a different. That's a different <laughs> question. You know what? The Rams defense, by and by, has been pretty darn good all year. But like McVay preparing for, you know, preparing for McVay with one or two just crazy plays, the Rams defense seems to have one or two a game where they're just, you know what, we're not going to do things like sound that we should, like we've been doing, and we're going to let some pop. It's not like, you know, their yards per carry is up because they allow so many big, big players against them on the run. You know, it's, for the most part, They've been pretty decent. Uh, it's just, you know, they get caught with their pants down once or twice a game, and then that's not what we talk about. Uh, Alvin Kamara took uh, took that, that handoff and went to the house. It was, what, 80 yards or something? Outside of that, yeah. running, running game, what do you do outside of that one run? I want to say he had well, three more yeah, carries. He had, for about 74 yard, he had 74 yards on that one carry. I think he finished the game with right. 89. Right. So he had, what, maybe three carries for 15 yards or five yards a pop. You know, it's yeah. not great, but – it's not, you know, seven point something yards per carry. Uh, so and and Ingram didn't really do much, and Ingram's been, you know, they've been sharing the sharing the the love there on the running game, and they kind of shut him down. They just yep. have those one or two bonehead moments, and AP got them as well, right? So can they shut them down? Sure, they can. Are they going to? Um, I I don't fear what the Blaine Gabbert Arizona Cardinals are going to do to us this weekend. Larry Fitzgerald is still a hall, first out Hall of Famer. You got to respect him. Uh, getting NRC back this week would be big, but if not, the Blake Connor show will come up because I think we'll start seeing Joyner back on the cover in the slot again. Uh, I still expect them to win this game. Call me, call me ridiculous, but the, I, I see a comfortable win. And in Arizona, it's going to be a comfortable win. Here's something that's going to make you uncomfortable, okay? That run. Oh, no. I don't, that, wait, that's the worst segue <laughs> ever because I know on, it's true. Hold on, wait. <laughs> wait. <laughs> That run that that Kamara scored on, let this soak in for a moment. It was almost the exact same distance. Uh, Leonard Fournette, his was 75 yards. But it was the same formation, same side, and it was during the same point in the game, only a few series into the game, and it was the same side, which means that whatever the Rams are calling in certain certain situations, certain distances, certain points in the game, probably that script – 
sort of thing, the way they approach it, those first 15 plays or so in the game, is is probably eerily similar from game to game because they went out there and they caught the exact same play in the exact same point of the game. Almost the exact same amount of time had ticked off in the game. And they uh, they were able to hit on it. The NFL is uh, it, copycat is a copycat league. And yes. if they see something working, someone, everyone else is going to do it until you show that you can stop it on tape, right? And so that's if, why I say it's going to make you uncomfortable. It's going like, right. you get, you it's get like if, if anybody, can do, if anybody else can keep it going, it's AP, right? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, AP yeah. is another first-time Hall of Famer, and he's still he's, yeah. he's got a little, little in the tank. Um, yeah. Larry Fitzgerald, you know, first-time Hall of Famer. But – Blaine Gabbert's leading those guys. The last time I saw Blaine Gabbert play the Rams, I think uh, he didn't do so well. <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars 2013 when he threw the big six to, to Gio Gordano and he cribbed it from like 80 yards. <laughs> yeah. Why do I yeah, remember yeah, it so yeah. well? I don't know, but I do. <laughs> I was, so here, next, you and next I were talking about you. the game earlier this week. That was the Justin Blackman game. I talk about yeah. uh, another guy that Jeff Fisher wanted, Justin Blackman. So. Uh, yeah, I think they. I think in all fairness, this game. in I all mean, fairness, Justin Blackman was as advertised. It was every bit of good a receiver as you thought he was when he was picked. When he was, the problem was off field. He's he, but yeah, he's, he was, he's big time, you know. But he was he that, was Josh Gordon on steroids. He was an idiot. <laughs> so here's here's my next question for you, Rob. Who's gonna draw Pat P. Cup or Watkins? Oh, it's gotta be Sammy, right? Is it? Would you put? Would you waste? Would you waste Pappy on Cooper Cup? Then you're going to put Sammy out there on who's the other corner? I, mean, I love the, the fact that you, of all people, said that it's a waste to put him on Cooper Cup. <laughs> right. I, I, you know what? I, I am the I am the president of the Cooper Cup fan club, but I am also a realist. It's true. I'm not going to tell you that Cooper Cup is a better wide receiver than Sammy Watkins because if that happens, Joe should ban my account from the fight right now. That's just never going to happen. <laughs> Never. Uh, the other cornerback's Brandon Williams. If Brandon Williams is guarding Sammy Watkins and they don't like Big Sosa always demands, force the ball to Sammy Watkins. I don't. If if Brandon Williams is covering Sammy Watkins, Sammy Watkins should just walk down the field and stand there and point to his face. And Jerry Goff yeah. needs to throw. There's no there's no reason you need to get too crazy. If Brandon Williams for whatever for whatever reason, if Patrick Peterson ain't on Sammy Watkins, throw the ball to Sammy Watkins. Yeah, Rob. Exactly. What's the weather like in Seattle right now? Uh, it's a, it's a brisk 40, 42 or so. Oh. No rain today. That's coming oh, tomorrow. We, we're supposed to have rain all week. You know, not surprising. Of course. Come here for us. Uh, but, yeah, it's a little, like, you know, we're, we're so far north that when I go to work in the morning, it's dark. And when I come home, it's dark. It's that time of year for us. In the summertime, it's opposite. You know, it's it's light at 5 a.m. and doesn't get dark till after 10. But this time of year, a lot of darkness, which is what people hate about Seattle. It's dark, and when I go outside, it's raining, and I hate this place. It's raining. I moved here from. I got to give Madison his uh, twenty-five years ago. His so. geographically stereotypical uh, material for his Raymond remix. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Jim. Uh, I'll. Uh, I'm, I'm headed to LA for the Eagle game. I will. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna take over TST social when I'm down there. No, I'm really not because I'm gonna enjoy yeah. the game. I'm not gonna be on social. No, you should. <laughs> that, I think that's a great idea, Rob. Hey, Thanks for volunteering. Look, he says that he says he's not gonna be there now. He's not gonna be on there now. But <laughs> you know, come third quarter, the Rams are up forty-five to seven. He's and Cooper comes got two touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's gonna be all over. Yeah. 
<laughs> the thing about that game is my daughter my daughter went to Eastern Washington University with Cooper Cup and Vernon actually Very she was cool. in the class with Vernon Adams. So Vernon she walked with Vernon, Vernon walked about five months before her. So I saw a lot of Eastern Washington football. Uh, it was kind of our thing. We went out, it's a four hour drive, go watch a lot of games, they were good. Yeah. Saw this kid Cup. So I've been watching this guy for years. Um Nick Martin, another Twitter guy up uh, here in Seattle, we've been, he's, a, he's from Montana, so we've been talking about a cup for the Rams for a long time, but, you know, tongue-in-cheek just joking. Do I ever think they're going to draft a kid? No, that's kind of why I lost my nut. And then, um, sure. so I've just always liked him. He's a good kid. He's solid. Uh, so, you know, I've always, always really enjoyed him. So she went to Eastern Washington, but she grew up an Eagles fan. Why? I failed as a father. My kid's an Eagles fan <laughs> because she liked Donovan McNabb, and the Rams were terrible when she was growing up. Now she's 25. Uh, the Rams are better for the first time, but she's like, no, dad, I'm, I'm not down with the Rams. I'm sorry. So we saw the schedule come out. We saw the game was going to be in Los Angeles. We planned this thing back in April. Yeah, we're going to go to the game. Little did either one of us know it's going to be one of the best games of the year for, for, for both teams. So awesome. we're going to go down and have a good time. I got protected from getting stabbed by all those crazy uh, Rams songs. Uh, she's watching the Eagle stuff. So we're going to have a good time, and we're going to, you know, I'm going to enjoy the flight back when she's pouting that, uh, you know, they lost a close one on national TV. That's, that's going to be a good flight Three back. Three for threes. Absolutely. Right. Some threes. Absolutely. Well, threes, Rob, we, we are across the board, my friend. We are going to be looking forward to when you get back so you can come back on here, tell us all about it. It's going to be the Rob takeover. We've been looking forward to it. So, but Rob, yeah, that show, that show you boys can just, you can just mail it in. So I got the show. I'm going to use it. I got it. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Appreciate so, uh, you we'll calling. We'll catch you guys on social. Hey, everyone listening, get on social, Facebook, Twitter. IG on the site, CJ. I know how to promote. I got this. We'll take care of you guys. You got it. Seattle Rams underscore NFL. That's what to promote, man. Follow us. Exactly. Follow Rob. Follow follow us. I, I got a few. I got a few followers. You need to follow Sosa because my boy finally broke a thousand followers, and I, no, I think he's no, he like so he celebrating. <laughs> he's having a good time. <laughs> All right, Jim. Yeah. I'll catch you soon. All right, have a Bravo. It's Rob, Seattle Rams fan. That's the guy. That's the guy to follow. He he got all the insight. <laughs> so, be real quick, you know, we we're coming here to the tail end of the show. We got one question here that I wanted to make sure we get to, and it's from our guy Keon Monroe. You know, Rams fanatic. Keon's got great questions, Twitter. man. He always we got has a... great questions, don't he? Dude, yeah. the, the, the dude just comes with it. It's like he he thinks them out like really well. Like, yeah, let me. We got to get Keon on. I know he's a. We do. He's serving. I think he's Air Force, and I know he's overseas. We got to figure out a way to get Keanu. Yeah, even if it's just for a few minutes, we got to make sure it happens. So um, his question um, is: He says, uh, "Question for the podcast, Mike, and I know you watch a lot of film. Uh, why aren't we able to consistently ground and pound later in games? Is it because of the formations we are in, or are we just not running the ball enough? Um, honestly, it is one hundred percent." We're just not trying. We're not running the ball yeah. enough. Um, this week it was for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you look at some of these games um, towards the tail end, a few things have happened here. Either the Rams have been blowing a team out and they really pull back and they don't even have, they don't even have Todd Gurley in or their starting line, and, you know, that changes things. Um, or they're just simply not pushing the ball downfield. Um even in the 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 game against the Cowboys, you know where you saw the running game really start to click, 
in the fourth quarter, you you saw them start pushing the ball downfield more and more. You know, and that's kind of been a consistent theme for um, Sean McVay. I feel like, and I mentioned this in our chat yesterday, I feel like Sean McVay has a bit of dog in him. You know, he he wants to really choke you out, like put your foot up, put his mm-hmm. foot on your throat, and like just suck the life out of you. You know, uh, when he sees that opportunity, I think he goes for the kill. You know, he doesn't just want to beat you. He doesn't just want to win the game. He wants to make a statement. And you, and that's becoming more and more evident the more you watch it. You know, and it's not that you can't make a statement with the, the run game, but, man, how loud does the crowd get when you just lay one out and it just falls in the bucket perfectly and the guy takes off the score, you know. Uh, it, it, I definitely think that's kind of what it uh, has a lot to do with. But um, the the easy answer to the question is just that, yeah, they just, they just simply don't try at the end of the game to run the ball. It's not enough giving it to Gurley or whoever's in the game. You know, they're not turning around handing the ball off. They're, they're pushing it downfield when the game, uh, when it's toward, when it's in the fourth quarter. So I, de- I personally would like to see them do a little bit more with the exception of the Saints game. I thought that was smart. Uh, you, you're going to abuse the, the lack of corners. Uh, but this week, you got Pat P. Uh, you got uh, Tyron Matthew back there. You know, you don't want to get too crazy with the passing <laughs> late in the game. Uh, you, if you, especially if you can run it, you probably should make sure that you're running it and taking advantage of that. Um, Joe, what do you have for us for college football? Yeah, I was looking at the play chart before we get to college. I was just looking at some of these drives. So to end the uh, third quarter, if you remember, we kicked a field goal to go up 20-10. to 10, Then we forced that uh, three and out. That was the drive where Abukum had the sack. So we get the ball back with about two minutes left in the third quarter. On that drive, we passed the ball five times and ran it once. That gets us into the fourth quarter. Uh, The Saints then had that long drive where they were able to get the field goal out of it uh, after we kicked ours. That makes it 23-13. We get the ball back. This was the drive where we had the interception. We get one run, and we get four passes. So that's five passes, one run, four passes, one run, throw the interception, forced the three and out from New Orleans. That was where they punted. Remember, a lot of people were asking why uh, Sean Payton was punting it when they had it so deep. They punted anyway. Yeah. Uh, the last drive was the 13-play one. We got one, oh, my gosh, two, three, four, five, six. So that would make it six and six. So six runs to six passes on the last drive, five passes to one and four passes to one run on the two previous. So, in terms of this last game, it was definitely a factor of just not running the ball more so than passing it, certainly the last two drives before that final one, the penultimate uh, possession. But uh, we'll see moving forward if that holds. Speaking of what holds, uh, college, the, you know, three weeks ago we had an insane week, right? And it was set up to be that the schedule was just not nuts. Go ahead. You were, you've been waiting for it, so just go ahead. Missouri. You've been waiting for what? it all What have I been waiting week. for what what the fact that I was right that you know six or seven weeks ago I said that the, the Tigers were going to finish seventy five and everything's going to go on this crazy streak and they were going to be averaging all these points and you know everything I said that came out to be true you know it is what it is I wasn't really trying to blow blaring or nothing I was just calling it what it is but hey you know it's all good <laughs> hopefully if we're lucky if by the grace of the football gods the clouds open up and they say oh, we're going to see Missouri versus North Texas oh shit. Oh, oh man, yeah, that's gonna be a good show. <laughs> that's gonna be a great show. I'm a flat thing. Now here was the thing. We're gonna go get some barbecue and we're gonna talk a lot of trash. <laughs> what was great was 
the the prediction that you had overall wasn't that crazy except for this game. This was the hard game. Like all the other games, you had Idaho, you had Connecticut, yeah. you had Florida at home. And that was, I mean, to be fair, it was before Florida completely collapsed. So by the time you got to yeah. that game, Florida was just a mess. Same thing with Tennessee. Tennessee had collapsed. Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt. So those games, not all that shocking. The one that was going to be tough was at Arkansas, and that turned into a hell of a game where I guarantee when Arkansas came out and put up a 21-point first quarter on you guys, I know damn well you weren't feeling too good about uh, that prediction. Look, but then y'all put up a foot of Y'all made it happen. (laughs) All I'm saying is I felt comfortable that they'd come back. But, 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 I'm going to be honest. While I was comfortable that they'd come back because I didn't think Arkansas could stop the offense at all, which they couldn't, um, I did say at one point, shit, if they lose this game, it's going to have something to say to me. (laughs) I did say that. I'm not going to lie. But I was comfortable thinking that they would come back. They did. It was a great game. It, it was really, really a good game. One of the better games this past weekend. But I, 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 I was unless uh, you like, like unless you like defense, <laughs> y'all had <laughs> y'all had six hundred ninety six total yards. Six hundred ninety six. The the interesting thing about this Missouri Tigers offense. It's, it's it's either big play or no play with them. <laughs> that's that's what this this what this Tigers offense is. There's no just methodically moving the ball downfield. They've done it a handful of times this year. It's always been big play, huge home run hits or nothing. <laughs> so so it's a uh, it, it was definitely an interesting game watching those two go back and forth. But ultimately they were able to pull it off. I was pleased. But what did you think about? Some of the upsets, Miami, Alabama. It was coming. We knew it was coming for two reasons. Number one, it was rivalry week. We're rivalry week always. Rivalry week always, 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 always does it. But number two, and we've talked about it a couple times, this this was always shaping up pretty much since week three or four to be the year where it was just going to be impossible to create a four-team playoff. There's just not going to be a way to do it. Uh, and you know Miami lost, Alabama lost. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to say except I'm glad to know that my team's not in the mix because if if you're a fan of a team in that top nine or so, and your team doesn't make it, you're gonna have a legitimate gripe. I mean, what, whatever that gripe is, yeah. you could have a gripe if you're UCF. I mean, we've talked about Wisconsin. If if you make the argument that Wisconsin should be in the playoff. Solely on the fact that they're undefeated, you gotta. Why not put UCF? They're undefeated. It's just it's one of those things where there's no argument that you can wrap around this many teams and come out with a good four. So it's gonna be fun. All I know is I'm gonna be highly pissed if Alabama is in the top four because I get so sick you know they're gonna be. What are you talking about? You know they're gonna I be in there. So Sick of the favoritism, like no, you don't get to lose and drop one or two spots. Hell no! Like I really think they want to put Alabama ahead of Wisconsin, and they might take back the number one spot for Miami. They had a hey, they had a good loss at a good Auburn team on the road. They did a good job of shutting down the pass. That Alabama team looked nice in that loss. It has to be Clemson. It has to be Oklahoma, Wisconsin, and Auburn has to leapfrog the. Uh, leapfrog into the four, but here's where it gets here's where it gets iffy. You got Alabama, Georgia, okay, yeah. uh, Alabama, Georgia, Miami, and Ohio State 
all grasping for that fifth spot because the reason that fifth spot is so important is because the conference championship games will absolutely screw someone. (laughs) Someone else is going to slide back in there. So it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. You know, you got, uh, you got the SEC championship. One of of those three teams is going to fall. You know, one of those teams is going to fall. So it's like, what's going to happen here? (laughs) And then, but no matter what, whoever wins has to automatically go ahead of Alabama, right? Considering that Alabama isn't going to play. (laughs) <laughs> right. The so, the answer yeah. of right is no, not right, because there is no right. You know, damn well, exactly. there's no right. So it should be. <laughs> it, 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 it should is what the right word would be. Should. <laughs> it's it's going to be an interesting uh, championship weekend. You know, just seeing how how the conference yeah. championship shakes everything out. But I'm looking forward to it. What do you have for us to look forward to overall? Well, I mean, I got to point out the conference USA championship. Eyes of the nation are going to be on. Uh, FAU football stadium in Boca Raton noon on Saturday as Lane Kiffin's Florida Atlantic hosts maybe the best offense in the country, the North Texas Mean Green. Here's the here's the fun thing about it is that Lane Kiffin, the chances that he's at Florida Atlantic, I, I really thought we when we talked was it last week or the week before we were talking about Lane Kiffin, and I said that I didn't think that he was ready to go. The pro and this is the problem with Lane Kiffin, he might not be ready to go from a um, job performance standpoint where he could use another year at Florida Atlantic to wait. The problem is that Lane Kiffin's Lane Kiffin, and that Lane Kiffin will leave his wife every year for a new wife if it means that his next wife will make him happier than his current wife. He will leave Florida Atlantic every <laughs> single year to go to Florida Atlantic again. And uh, yeah. Now, aside from that, you got TCU. I know we're wrapping up on time. TCU, Oklahoma, Georgia, Auburn, Miami, Clemson, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Great college championships, uh, and it's fun to have something to talk about in the background because we don't have to actually focus on the draft because the Rams are damn good this year. Although I'll still be focused on the draft because you know, and especially this time of year, I've already started working on my big board. So be be on the lookout yep. for that, folks, because it's it's coming here. You're a man who can do both, weeks. big board and watch a team. <laughs> Love it. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's all we got for this week. Uh, Rams taking on the Cardinals this upcoming week. Uh, Cardinals are playing kind of good right now, you know. Blaine Gabbert has kind of put a spark up under them with the, the way Drew Stanton was playing. It looked like the season was over. Blaine Gabbert makes it look like they still have a fighting chance. Um, so it's going to be a good game overall. Uh, make sure you tune in to that. Uh, Joe, you got anything coming out for the site this week? Anything we should look forward to? Got. Go Rams! Go Rams! You got it. Make sure you follow the show. Turf Show Towns, follow myself, Mighty or Myson, and then make sure you follow Joe at 3K underscore. That's all we got for you this week. We out. Starting this off, the Rams get down so nobody scores. And don't you worry, cause the Rams are rapping. When game time comes, we'll be back to Jackson. We can't sing and our dance is not pretty, but we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the LA Rams.
Hollywood handsome, Dodge City tough. If you throw it my way, it's gonna get rough. I like to ram it, as you can see. Nobody likes ramming any more than me. They call me Zeta, nobody dresses Twitter. But under this cool is a quarterback retreater. I come from the end, looking for the sacks. I don't stop coming till I put them on the back. This limousine with it, my moves are like dreams. They call me the demon on special team. I know how to rock from the toes to the head. When I pull the trigger, I'll knock you dead. I'm a mountain man from West VA. They call me Herc and I came to play. I learned long ago to ram it just right. You can ram it all day and ram it all night.
secret. Rob actually hates Cooper Cup a lot. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. Also, you listen to podcasts, check it out.